Hi everybody, this is Tuvia Zaretsky with stories from Jewish gentle couples from around the world. And I'm delighted today to be with um, Sahar and Maria Sedlovsky. They are in... We live in uh, the center of Tel Aviv. Yeah, these are two really delightful people. You've seen their pictures on the banner of our Jewish Gentile Couples website. I'm so excited to be able to talk with them today. Maria, um, I'm going to let you start. You are from Sweden, and you grew up in a Lutheran family. What was it like being a Lutheran in in Sweden? So, uh, actually, I grew up in a family that were not part of the state church. And the state church is... uh, quite liberal, while my family is quite conservative. So we were going to a small congregation that was... When, uh, when you say conservative, theologically? Yes, yeah. And there was a, a small congregation. How many people would be in the congregation? Um, not more than 100, 100. And, yeah. and is that kind of a congregation, the minority in Sweden today? Yes, definitely. Yeah. It's not like in the U.S. where there's a lot of Christians. Sweden is uh, most people don't really have a religion at all. But it's it's thought of as a European Christian country, yes. Yes, yes, yeah. in the name, but more culturally. Is the term evangelical used in Sweden? Yeah, yeah, it is. But you use the term conservative because you're talking about uh, conservative, theologically conservative. Yeah. Okay. Before you ever met Sahar, have you ever been to Israel? Uh, I had, actually. I think uh, maybe six years before I met him, I volunteered in a kibbutz in the north. And a kibbutz for for people is a a communal, um, kind of sometimes a farm. Yeah. Yeah. A small um, community uh, where people live and they have fields where they grow things and and it's a collective, so and it was uh, used to um, help establish the country. Yes. Okay. And you worked there for how long? For I think three months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I always wanted to go to Israel since I was little, actually. Why? Because uh, I grew up in a family where uh, my parents and my grandparents, the generations before that, they were Christians and they loved the Jewish people. Well, they believe in the Bible and the stories. So it, it gave me from the beginning a love for Israel and a curiosity also to meet the people that living in Israel now. Did you did you ever share that with people on the kibbutz? No. No, actually at that time I was in a period where I didn't really want to be a Christian. Uh, I kind of tried to run away and ignore <laughs> everything that had to do with God and yeah, you can't really live on your parents' faith. No, you, kind you can't. Of figure it out yourself. So that's what I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's that might not be all that unusual. That no. uh, Yeah, yeah. How old were you when you your your faith became your own? So I I guess I was maybe 24, 23, 24 when I kind of I realized then that I still believe in God. I can't run away from that. Yeah. But it went up and down. It, it wasn't really mm-hmm. really clear at this point it happened. Okay. Yeah. Um, let me let me turn to this uh, this swarthy, vibrant, smiling Israeli. Sahar, I look at you and, and I say, this guy, he looks more like a, a Sephardi, <laughs> but he's, his name is Ashkenazi. 
and for, for the listeners, Sephardi Jews are from the Mediterranean basin and Ashkenazi Jews are from Eastern Europe. Where'd your family come from? Well, uh, I actually had a funny story about it. I was once uh, sent a jo- uh, sent my uh, VC to a job interview. And as it said in my name, it's Sahar Sadlovsky. And uh, when I came, they, they ju- when I came to just look at me and said, are you Sadlovsky? <laughs> because I'm so dark in my face. But uh, yeah. my family for the, the last three and a half, three generation, generations uh, have been uh, born in Israel, uh, in the mandatory Israel, so to speak, my mm-hmm. grandpa. Uh, and he was part of uh, the uh, people who established the country and developed it. Yeah, but he came from Eastern Europe. And from my mom's side, uh, they came from Aden, which was a British colony in Yemen. Mm-hmm. And so your mom would be, would she be considered Sephardi or, or Mizrahi? I think Mizrahi, because Sephardic is more from uh, north of uh, Africa, like Oko, etc. Mediterranean area. And, and Mizrahi would be Middle Eastern. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. Where did, and they met in, in uh, at the time, it would have been man, Mandate Palestine? Yeah. Yeah. Three and a half generations. So, so you've got a lot of roots in, in Israel. Yeah, indeed. Sadlowski, do you know where your, your family from Eastern Europe came from? Yeah, so the father of my grandpa, he born in Austria, and his family name was Gold. But right before the First World War, he changed his name to Sadlovsky and uh, moved to Ukraine. There he met the mother of my grandpa, and then they came to the Turkish uh, uh, area in Israel. So you're born and raised in, in Israel. What, what, what was your... What was your passion as you were growing up as a kid what do you want to be i played food i played football and when i mean football soccer um, that is true football my american friends i played played it for 10 years i put all my uh effort and my energy and my hope uh, to become a player it didn't work out you played you played soccer was it um did you play any international tournaments uh, no, when I was 10 years old until uh, 19, so nine and a half until 19. And at 19, uh, were you thinking about playing professionally? Uh, yeah, but it was hard to go to get in. In Israel, uh, the league is quite uh, narrow and it's hard to, to proceed. Um, and it didn't work out. I've only seen it from the outside and I saw the, the level of passion among uh, Israeli soccer fans. Uh, and in football over there is very, very serious. So what, what, um, what happened at 19? Uh, you decided you weren't going to be able to, to play professional soccer. Um, what did you do then as you thought about your profession in life? Then I got an offer to work in sales in Germany, in Munich. So I moved to Munich for a couple of months and to Berlin. And I worked in uh, sales. I, so, I sold uh, oil paintings. I went door to door and knocked on people's uh, houses and sold them uh, paintings. Uh, and that was the way, uh, that was the door for me to enter into the world of sales. It must be mentioned that uh, there was a lot of uh, things, immoral things in uh, in the world of sales. But 
it also equipped me so much in my social relations, how to interact with people, how to understand people, and also uh, decrease my shame and help me to be more outgoing. And that helped me a lot in my social life. Okay. Um, another thing that would help you in your social life would be uh, your language skills. So you speak Hebrew, obviously you speak English. Did you um, have German? Did you speak German when you went to, to Germany? No. And in fact, I didn't even speak English when I went to Germany. I only learned uh, <laughs> the speech that I should present to the people I'm engaged with. And being there, I improve my English slowly by slowly. Okay. Let me turn back to Maria for a moment. How'd you meet this guy? Where did you meet him? I met him in Israel. And it's kind of funny because uh, I'm in, in, uh, in Urpa now in Hebrew studies. And I think like half of my class are girls who actually met their uh, boyfriend or husband as tourists in Israel. <laughs> and I am uh, one of those girls. I was a tourist. Um, and uh, one of my last days, I wanted to visit a church that I hadn't seen in Tel Aviv, a Lutheran church here. After the service, I met Sar. We got to know each other, and uh, it actually turned out that the day after, we were a couple. So it went really fast. Wow. So you met in church in Israel? Yes. That's pretty. How long after that did you guys get married? One and a half year, I think. Okay. Yeah, I had to finish my studies. So, Sahar, how did you end up, this Israeli guy, how did you end up in a Lutheran church in, in Tel Aviv to meet this, this beautiful young lady from Sweden? Uh, well, uh, the real question is, or the first question is, how did I uh, come to a church in general? When I came back from Germany and then I went to Ireland and returned to Israel, um, I kept in touch with my friends from football and some some of them are uh, Arab uh, Christians and through them the idea of reading uh, the, the text of their religion uh, made me to look on it in Google so I wanted to know what my friends believe I felt stupid that I didn't that I don't know who is just Jesus or as we say in Hebrew mockery uh, Yeshu yeah. I wanted to know about him you, and you I call read him, you call him Yeshu which was um, culturally um, an acrostic for a derogatory term. Yes. So, so you weren't, you grew up, this is interesting for people, I think, you grew up in Israel. For Westerners you think, who think of Israel as the, the land of Jesus, the land of the disciples, the land of the Bible. As you were growing up in Israel, you're saying you didn't know anything about Jesus? You didn't learn about him in school? Very superficially, just a couple of pages in history, in the third grade. But we don't really know who Jesus was and uh, what is written about him. Or, or if you are a person who is attending synagogue and listen to rabbis, then you hear more about him. Uh, but in a very a different way than what history has to say about him. That is the New Testament. And you were, you were really close with the guys that you, you played soccer with. And, and these are, I mean, one of the wonderful things about soccer is that, that it doesn't matter what somebody's ethnicity is or what their cultural background is when you come together to play you, you bond as a team 
so these guys were talking to you about about their faith, their Christian faith, and that was a yeah. whole new thing to you. They they didn't speak so much about Jesus, but uh, I think there was more about their virtues. They made me to be very jealous of them. I, I mean, felt the way they lived, their their character. Yeah, they were they were such so much better people than I. I can say that, and it made me shocked, astonished, to discover that actually. Not every Arab is a terrorist, and not every Jew is a saint. And I'm talking about myself, of course. Yep. <laughs> so there was something in their character that that attracted you that you hadn't seen before. Um, when you thought about the word Christians, was that a positive thing? Was it a? Uh, how did you look at the the outside Christian world? I think for Jews who live in the past, the word. Christian would be much more negative than it means to us in Israel. It's just it's just something foreign for us. Christians in many ways means not being Jewish and other yeah. religion. Um, no bad, no good. Yeah. That's something that it's not relating to you. You know, it's the same thing in the diaspora. Um, I grew up in North America, and when we talked about the Christians, it was um, synonymous with the word Gentile. It's just non-Jew. So you're you're playing soccer with these guys, and, and their character strikes you, and, and it, it provoked you. So on your own, did you start looking to find out what it was that they were were believing and reading? Yes, I was too shy for some reason to ask them about Jesus. And on the other end, I was asked. I was I wasn't comfortable to ask uh, other people. So I looked in Google, and I wrote. Uh, I don't remember Christian in Hebrew, Nazrim or uh, Yeshu, and then the New Testament came up in Hebrew. It really stirred uh, something in my heart. First, it stirred something in my head and my thoughts about Jesus. I didn't, I, I didn't understand why I never knew about such an interesting person. And from interesting person, he becomes more, more than that. He becomes a savior. He, I just, I, by the end of reading the New Testament, I realized that. He is the answer for the very thing that I was always uh, wanted. He is the Messiah. And it brought you to to um, be with other other Messianic Jews at a Lutheran church, where you meet uh, where you met Maria. So Maria, what what happened after those those couple of days? You you figure this guy is he's in a church. He's he's an Israeli. You find yourself as a couple. How long did that last before you had? You said it was your last day before you had to go back to Sweden. No, it was my my last week. I, I don't know. I it's hard to explain, but from the first day, I was I was very sure that he was the one I was supposed to be with, and I made some really bad decisions about boyfriends before. So. Um, but never, I've never been so sure before. Hmm. And actually, uh, I prayed about it one week before I met him. I prayed, uh, prayed to God that I'm tired of, I'm tired of trying to to make my decisions, uh, to to find find everything out myself. Now you're gonna have to help me, and uh, uh, if you're if you're God and you care about me, then I'll leave it up to you to to put someone in front of me. Um, if I'm supposed to marry someone, put him in front of me and take away the doubt that 
that I will that I will know that this is right. And it actually happened. And still today, I I I know that it was that was uh, true. It wasn't an illusion. Or no, he's definitely not an illusion. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're from a European world, which is very diplomatic, very gracious. Oh yeah. <laughs> and Israelis are very direct and penetrating in their their curiosity. Has that affected your your interactions? Yeah, it has. It has slowly, slowly. Swedes are, I think, very, very. Um, polite and considerate and don't interrupt. They wait in the line and Israelis are the <laughs> the opposite. In and every way? <laughs> yeah, almost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I realized that for some time here that if you're going to survive in Israel, you, you might as well start um, changing yourself and you have to start interrupting because otherwise you would never get to talk. You have to you know, don't let people skip to, to pass you in the line. You have to be more direct and it saves time and effort. <laughs> There's a certain endearing quality once you get used to the fact that, that it's not, not necessarily anything more than, than what they've, they've culturally developed as a way of interacting. Yeah, you know? and I, when you think about it, all these different people from all over the world with different languages and, and different cultures I mean, that's the, there's no wonder that it's so, so that you have to be direct and, and things work like they do here. So, Sahar, Maria's worked hard to, to adapt and, and survive within Israeli culture. What have you picked up from, from her culture that's had an impact and effect on you? First thing is so much less stressful about things. About less stressful about things? Yeah, and I kind of liked it, and I experienced it uh, during uh, our last vacation in Sweden. Now, the way they deal with stuff and their calmness is something that I appreciated very much. People have said about about the uh, the Jewish people that um, we're just like everybody else, but more so that there's a a greater intensity uh, in in Jewish life. Uh, There, it's a different culture. And uh, what was it like for you um, relating to Maria's family? You're an Israeli, they're, they're a Swedish Christian family. How did you feel? I had some, uh, at the first time, when I was on the way to Sweden for my first time to meet Maria's family, I, <laughs> I was a bit nervous who they are, how will they treat me, uh, will they be nice to me, is there any uh, code of behavior that I need to adopt that Maria did not inform me. So uh, I think uh, many co- many spouse would feel like that when they come to their to the to meet the parents of their spouse for the first time. But when you come from Israel to the exact opposite place when it comes to culture, uh, you are even more uh, nervous about it. But they embraced me uh, very well, and I made my way to become one a child of their house. And to feel at did, home. Did um, did the fact that you share the same faith have an impact on on your connection with her family? Indeed, yes. The in fact, it it's the main thing that impact my relationship uh, with my wife, with Maria. 
the, the culture is one thing and it's very important, but what unites us and what made me to connect with Maria's parents is that our faith is when we understand, when we look at the world in the same way, when we hope for the same thing, when we believe in the same thing, when we know our problems, that we're not perfect and that we need in need of help and compassion. This is what accepting and understanding is to be based on. Spiritual harmony with a couple is extraordinarily important. We know that um, when, when people come from different cultures and different backgrounds, different religious backgrounds, that um, the challenges are enormous. Sociology tells us that 75% of those marriages from um, different religious backgrounds without finding some harmony results in either dissatisfaction or divorce. And when they share the same faith, that statistic goes away. So it makes a huge difference to find, that's why we're, we're so concerned to serve people to find spiritual harmony. Yeah, it's, uh, so you have a, a daughter now, you're raising her in Israel, and um, she'll have both an awareness of uh, cultural identity. Do you both hope to, to bring her up in, in the same faith that you have? Yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> It's hard to, to know exactly what that would look like, I would say, with the Christian culture. I would say because the church we're going into here, um, the Lutheran church, it looks very different from uh, the Messianic congregations. But yeah, the, the, the Messianic Jews in Israel are very few, and we want her to be, to, to know other, other children also. Well, it might surprise people to find out that there are day camps for, for the children of Messianic families in Israel. There are youth groups that meet in the country. When you say that the community is small, it's, uh, yeah, it's relatively small. When I, when I was there in the, the 70s, there were maybe 300 Messianic Jews in the whole country. Now, uh, Sahar, what would, you, what would you guess is the Messianic population in Israel? I actually don't know. I've heard different numbers from five to 10,000 uh, Jewish who believe in Jesus. And some say even it, that it reaches the 20 or the 25. But one thing is for sure that it's increasing every year. Increasing numerically, but it's increasing across the, the population as, as your generation and those who are coming behind you are entering the, the military. They're taking their place in, in civic activity uh, and in um, economic and business life and technology and medicine been really, really amazing to, to see that happening. Maria, you've really made yourself learn a lot about Israeli culture. So, I mean, you be there in Israel, you, you're celebrating, you're keeping Shabbat and the festivals. Uh, yeah, I am actually, I'm actually very curious about the, the Jewish holidays. And Sarah comes from a traditional family and, and um, they keep the traditions and it makes me very interested to to understand why they do things what are their thoughts behind it what do they believe actually so you're uh, you're keeping because because it's common in the, in the community to keep uh jewish festivals and holidays you're able to do that as part of your household as a messianic household and you're also involved in a lutheran church is that right yeah so actually the the church the the lutheran church um, a, a big part of the con uh, people coming there are not Jewish. 
so it makes it very mixed. So so kind of she kind of gets two different uh, church cults. But that's what what life is now, um, isn't it? Um, we we become culturally sensitized and understand how how cross cultural conversation is and and all communication is and uh, it's a learning and growing experience together yeah. so you guys are you guys are just the uh, kind of a classic pick the reason I, I was so glad that we were able to to feature you here is that you really represent a lot of the need to learn from cross-cultural communication and to grow an understanding for one another uh, and to find spiritual harmony there's a, there's a lot more to your story I'm so grateful you took the time to, to talk to us today As we say shalom to Sahar and Maria Savlovsky there in Tel Aviv, Israel, I want to say thank you for joining uh, with us for these conversations from around the world with Jewish Gentile couples. Again, if you have any questions, if you're interested in connecting with us or with the Savlovskys, you can just reach out with our email addresses, info at jewishgentilecouples.com. I'd really be grateful if you'd look at the website at jewishgentilecouples.com. There are lots of um, podcasts on there and some blog posts and some hopefully useful information for you uh, as we delve into challenges in cross-cultural communication and build up understanding so we can talk about some very real-life issues. For now, we say shalom until next time. Shalom.